again for your grace. Thank you for speaking to us. Lord, as, as my wife so humbly and honestly shared, Lord, it's just waking up with anxiety. Lord, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a hard week in our house anyway. And, and Lord, we thank you that you're real, that you're on the throne, that Lord, you have found us. And those times, God, where we don't trust you, God, forgive us. Lord, I pray, God, that you would continue to speak. Let your spirit come in power to fill our hearts, to illuminate the word of God to us once again. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're continuing today in that series that I started a couple of weeks ago. This is going to be, end up being kind of a summer series because we have some other things coming down the, uh, coming down the pike here with uh, Teen Challenge Choir. I encourage you to be there. Uh, July 14th, Teen Challenge Choir will be here. Come invite a friend. That's always a powerful time. And also, by the way, men's group will be meeting this Wednesday. Um, Jim is going to be finishing. Uh, it's the last Wednesday or the last session, so he will be meeting with whoever's there on Wednesday. But uh, again, there's, uh, there's a few things coming up, and, uh, and so we are in this series called Get Fit, and we're going to take a look again over the next few weeks. I did kind of a setup message, but we're going to ta- be taking a look at three components that I believe are, are, are essentials to getting fit spiritually, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, what that means today. We're going to be talking about faithfulness today specifically, but faithfulness, integrity, thanks, thankfulness, using those words to spell fit. I thought that was clever. If you don't, sorry. Um, but we'll be looking at these essential virtues and how they're not just good suggestions. You will find these are biblical ideas. These are, these are biblically sound for spiritual fitness, but uh, keys to helping us walk in the thing, things that God has for us. Talked a little bit about, you know, Paul's analogy of getting fit in the, in the physical. He says, physical training is beneficial, and I'll look at that verse of Scripture in, in a moment. But he said, training in spiritual godliness is, is good for this life and prepare you for the life to come. And as we know, getting fit is hard work. It takes, it takes, it takes diligence, it takes hard work, and, and, uh, and there's nothing easy around it. Um, Judah has become my personal trainer. He, uh, he has, we have this little stroller that you can jog with, and uh, I've been taking him out on the bike trail, if you've seen me out there, and now he likes to kind of go fast. He likes for me to run. And so I'll get going, I'll be... The other day, he was just enjoying it so much. He was back sucking his thumb, just enjoying the ride with the breeze. And so I ran for a good, good ways, and then I slowed down and had to walk, and he just kind of went, jog. <laughs> so maybe that's going to be a gifting in his life. I don't know. But uh, stop walking, son, and run. We need, we need some people to encourage us, huh? Keep jogging, keep running. But Paul used athletics and physical training. I looked at this last time. Let's look at it again, 1 Timothy 4. I love this passage. Paul says this to Timothy. There's no one back there. David, can you hit that little advance? Uh, oh, my son, my two sons are running. Here we go. I like this from the message. He says, stay clear of, uh, of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. I like that. He says, exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. 
Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more, making you fit both today and forever. Making you fit both today and forever. You can count on this. Take it to heart. This is why we've thrown ourselves into the, this venture so totally. We're banking on the living God, Savior all men and women, especially believers. Paul says, this is why I do what I do. This is why I travel. This is why I'm planting churches. This is why I'm proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. This is why I'm talking about eternity. This is why I'm talking about life in Christ. He says, I've given my life to it. It's because this is so important for us to get. He said, it's so important for not only this life, but the life to come. Getting fit is preparation. And that's true in the natural and the spiritual for what is ahead. We think about when you get ready for athletes, when they get ready for an event that is ahead, they train hard to prepare or for a season. You know, football, they have that, they start in training and training camps and they begin to work very hard to prepare for what is coming. I think that that's why Paul used this is he's saying it is so important for us to understand to be spiritually prepared for the good or the bad. For the ups and the downs, for the victories and the defeats, being spiritually fit helps us to be ready. Helps us to be ready for what is ahead. We can't see what is ahead. We do not know what's going to even happen tomorrow. That's why Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. He said, today, there's enough worries in today. Take care of today. Live day by day with Jesus. Don't think about tomorrow. Be prepared for tomorrow but don't be worrying about tomorrow. We don't know what's ahead, but we must be prepared. Let's look at a couple of passages. This is another one from Paul to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4. And he's, he's telling this young pastor, Timothy is this young pastor who uh, Paul left in charge of the church in Ephesus. But he says this, and I think it's applicable not just to ministers, but to all of us because we're all ministers. He says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. And I put it boldly, but be prepared or ready. Be prepared and ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. What does he say? Be prepared, ready in season, out of season. Whether the time is favorable, one, one translation says, or not. So be ready. Be ready. Be prepared. That's what he's talking about is being spiritually fit, being ready for what is ahead. And this was specifically a pastoral charge that he gave to Timothy, but it is applicable to all of us. And he says, be ready, be prepared, in season, out of season. Don't get caught off guard, but be ready, be diligent, be fit for what is ahead. And then in 1 Peter, let's look at this next passage. Who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. And he's talking about persecution. And you got to realize that the audience that Peter is talking to, this is a circulation letter that Peter uh, sent out among the believers of Christ in, in a region, and, and they were under intense persecution. They were being arrested. They were being thrown in prison. And, and it was a very, very hard time for the church Interestingly enough, it was a hard time, but the church was exploding during this time, and people were coming to know Christ at a, at a very high rate. 
But he says, do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. What does he say? Always be prepared or ready. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Some of you are familiar with that passage. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. But he says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. But be prepared, be ready. You don't ever know when you may have an opportunity to share the hope that you have. Divine appointments, day to day, being kind to someone. Blessing someone. When God brings them into your life, you have no idea what God wants to do. But he says, be ready or be prepared. So how do we prepare? How do we get ready? And obviously from the place that I'm going to be speaking of, the first and most essential place is living a daily surrendered life to Jesus Christ. We have to live daily surrendered to Christ. And out of that comes the spiritual fitness that I'm talking about. Out of that place of surrendering our life to Christ, giving our heart to Jesus, coming to the cross every day, loving him, in that we can be faithful, we can have integrity, and we can be thankful, and we can prepare. But I want to show you biblically over these, 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 this series of the absolute importance that these components are. Um, a lot of times, again, are overlooked or not deemed as very important. But when we think of being spiritually fit, being faithful, having integrity, being thankful, those are components that you will see that God works in the lives of people to advance them in the kingdom, to help them walk in freedom. They are very tied, and I'm going to show you that they are tied to advance. It's not that you're earning it but that you are living with Jesus every day. You are walking in faithfulness, integrity, and thankfulness, and you will see advancement and, in your life in the kingdom of God. You'll see freedom. And so today we want to look at the first one, faithfulness. Faithfulness. What does it mean to be faithful? And why is it important as we live our lives for Jesus being faithful? You see the definition up there. Faithful means thorough in performance of duty thorough, true to one's word, their promises, their vows, steady in allegiance or affection, loyal, constant, reliable, trusted, believed. So synonyms to faithfulness, devoted, committed, true, loyal. You're going to hear those words, but they're all tied to faithfulness. Devoted, committed, true, loyal, constant, reliable. The Greek word for, for faithfulness means trustworthy trustworthy. When the Lord looks at us, does he find us trustworthy? Faithfulness. And you see when Jesus um, says these words, and you see this several times where he's talking about he using parables to reveal the end times. And he says that everyone's going to stand before God. They're going to give an account. And he talks about what we've done with what we've been given because faithfulness and, 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 uh, and stewardship are, are, are tied together. Stewardship being what are you doing with what you've been given? Jesus is the owner. We are managers. What are we doing with what we've been given? And Jesus uses these parables to talk about the end times. And he says, 
And I will say to them on that day, the ones that were faithful, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. The word there, he's saying, well done, good and trustworthy servant. I trusted you. I found you trustworthy, so there, therefore I entrusted more to you. Remember what he also says is when, I, when, I, when I've talked about like advancement in the kingdom, when he says when you, when you are faithful with, with a little, what does he do? He puts you in charge of what? More. That's an advancement idea. You've been faithful with this. I'm going to give you this. You've been trustworthy with this. You've shown yourself reliable. I'm going to now put you in charge of this. And I'm going to give you this. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Trustworthy. And so Jesus, and you can see this through the Gospels, he's looking for faithfulness. What are we doing with what we've been given He's looking for devotion, and some of those synonyms, devotion, a deep commitment, profound dedication. And listen to this. Here's what devotion means. Profound dedication regardless of emotions or circumstances. Now, that's a hard one because we're people and we are, we are, we are created with emotions, aren't we? We're spiritual, we're physical, we're emotional. And so things happen in our lives and we have emotional responses and so it's not like that you can just flip an off switch and say, I'm not going to be emotional. We are emotional. It's, here's the question. Do, am I in control of my emotions or do my emotions dictate me? And that's a really important question that we have to answer. Do my emotions dictate me? Because I've been in those situations where something happens and I've been dictated by my emotions. But devotion is a profound dedication regardless of emotions or circumstances. And as people, what are the two big things that we're driven by? Emotions and our circumstances, right? Things are going good. What do we say? Yeah, things are going great. We're having a good day. Things are going bad. Whoa. And again, that's not to say that you're not supposed to go through hard seasons or you're supposed to just get over it. It's what am I doing? How am I persevering? Am I faithful? Am I trustworthy? In the midst of those times, am I profoundly dedicated regardless of emotions and circumstances? And again, I'm not saying that that's an easy thing to do. That's why when we fall back, this begins with our surrendered life to Christ every day. But Jesus is looking for those who will be true and loyal to him and to others. He's looking for those who will be constant and reliable those whom he trusts. And that's why you see Paul say it and you see Peter say it. He says, be ready. Be ready. Be prepared for what is ahead, whether good or bad, whether your circumstances are good or bad, whether it's an emotional up or down, be ready, be walking with the Lord. I recently read um, a book, and this guy was talking about that faithfulness is the new radical. And I thought that that just was a profound statement. Uh, faithfulness is the new radical. He said, a lot of times we look for these big, gigantic things to do. He said, you know what God's looking for? He's looking for faithfulness. He's looking for reliability. He's looking for people that are committed and there every day, day in and day out. 
going through the men's, uh, men's thing, there was one pastor that shared this story. He said, you know, and he's talking about his dad. His dad has passed away now. He said, but my dad was constant. My dad was reliable. He said, my dad... He was not going to be famous for doing something grand and great. He said he was just there every day. He was loving my mom, and he was loving his kids, and he was constant. He was trustworthy, and he was faithful. And he said that's why his dad is this hero. Faithfulness is the new radical. Interestingly enough, the church leadership conference that I went to, they talk a lot about, you know, um, the day-in, day-out stuff of church, not just, you know, they have some, they have some inspiring messages, but what I like about it uh, and, and what's been such a draw to me is just the day-in, the day-out, the, the anxiety that pastors face, the, the, the emotions, the insecurity that we deal with because we're people and we deal with stuff just like you do. And they were talking, and one thing about, you know, um, he says, when, when you're talking about staff or hiring staff or, or looking for people that could be potential leaders in your church and people that you would, like, pour your life in to say, I'm going to raise them up for, for leaders. Here's what he started talking about. He said, when you're looking for a leader, when you're hiring, and it could be hiring or it could be looking for a leader inside a, a, an elder, a deacon, he said, we look for faithfulness. We look for commitment. We look for devotion. We look for people. And he said, all these are tied with, we look for people with a great attitude. Because faithfulness is attached to attitude. He said, we don't look for the most gifted. He said, because you could have a person that's high, high gifted. They're unbelievable at what they do, and they can have a lousy attitude. And he said, they will bring the organization down. It will, it will absolutely hurt the organization. They can be high gifted and they can even get stuff done. He said, but if their attitude, if their if their attitude's wrong, if they're not working together cohesive as a team, and he said, you've made a huge mistake. He said, we do not hire for giftedness. They hire for attitude and faithfulness. And so I think that is if Jesus is looking for faithfulness and it's that important to him, it should be to us. But here's the thing. The true test of faithfulness is when times are hard. The true test of commitment, devotion, all those synonyms that you saw, devotion, commitment, good attitude, it's going to be tested when things are difficult. Because it's easy to be faithful when things are going your way. You're in the uptime. You're you're at the top of the you know the hill. The, the, there's not many struggles going on. Your spouse likes you. Your kids like you. Things are good at work. Those in authority over you are doing what you like. But here's the thing about faithfulness. Faithfulness is proven, not proclaimed. Faithfulness is proven, not proclaimed. People can say that they're faithful. But it's proven in times of great difficulty. And we have one of the greatest examples in the Bible, somebody that was very close to Jesus. Remember when Peter was sitting there at the table with Jesus, and Jesus says to him, he says, you're going to deny me? What does Peter say? No way. I'll never deny you. I'll die for you. They might, but not this guy. What is he saying? I am reliable. I'm trustworthy. I'm faithful to you, Jesus. I'll never bail out on you. And then what happened? Jesus who? Because when 
tension and when pressure and when it all seemed to be falling apart. Because again, the disciples had their eyes on different thing, on, on the wrong things. And I think that they were wanting Jesus to establish his kingdom and, and, and take out the Roman government and take out the religious system of his day and, and just set up the kingdom. And, and his intention was, here's how I'm going to establish my kingdom. I'm going to lay my life down. And that didn't work within their program. And the, the, the test of faithfulness came to Peter. And when the heat came, he disowned him three times. I don't know the man. And so he proclaimed it with his mouth, but he failed. And here's the great thing about Jesus. If you failed in faithfulness, because I have, is he restores Peter. Because Jesus, and I want you to get this, Jesus is always about restoring, reconciling himself to, to us when we are far away from him. And he wants us to live the same way, is to be faithful. And isn't it, and, and if, you know, you see it in the, even, even back then, but it's so easy in our culture, and I think it's getting easier just because of us, the society of abundance that we live in, it's so easy not to be committed, not to be loyal or faithful. It's very easy not to. It's easy to quit. It's easy to check out. I'm going to look at this parable, and I'm going to look at it from kind of a different angle. In Matthew 13, you'll, a lot of you are familiar with this parable, but it's Jesus. Uh, he's talking about the parable of the sower. And I'm going to look at one of the, 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 the soils that Jesus is talking about because he gives different ones. He said, you know, one fell on the path, and, you know, the bird stole it. And he said, you know, that it didn't find any soil. But I want, to look at, I want to look at verse 20 and 21 of Matthew 13. He said, the seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. It hits some soil, it springs up quickly, they receive it, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. They quickly fall away. Now, this is referring, again, to salvation and our walk with Christ, and, and that's a valid application here, but I, wanna, I, I believe it reaches in other areas of our spiritual lives as well. People are excited, they're passionate, they're in the response, and they're saying yes, and, and it can be that they come to know Christ, and they'll say, you know, Jesus, I'll do anything you want me to do, and, 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 and there's a lot of excitement, but there's no root and I think that root talks about its faithfulness, the root of faithfulness, the, re, the root of devotion, the root of commitment, the root of discipleship. Now I'm in, now what? Now I'm going to grow. I'm going to put my roots down deep. People that say, yes, I'm in, only to find out, like Peter when pain comes, because this is, this is Peter's story. When Jesus came and Jesus said, Peter, follow me, and he's like, he dropped his nets. Remember the story? And he follows Jesus, and he said, you know, here we go. The kingdom is coming. I'm with the Savior. I'm on the winning team. I'll never deny you. You can count on me. And when the heat came, he failed. Where are your roots at today? How do our roots go deep? 
Obviously, it's in that day-to-day relationship with Jesus, devotion to him in his word, talking with him in prayer, under his authority, faithfully committed and devoted. And that's what gives us those deep roots. Notice what it says, when trouble or persecution comes, they fall away, they quit, they give up. And then a parallel passage from this from the Old Testament, Proverbs 20, and 20, verse 6. Many will say they are loyal or faithful friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable or faithful? See that? Many will say, but then the follow-through. Devotion is not proclaimed. It's proven. It's proven. So faithfulness is walking the walk, not just saying it. I'm with you. I'm committed. I'm there. And then here's what we would say. Let's see. Because it's going to get tested. It will get tested. So in our culture, in our lives, I I think that there are areas where faithfulness is put to the test. I'm going to look at those over the next few minutes. First area is marriage and family, marriage and family. Listen to Malachi 3. Malachi is, and Malachi, this is the last book of the Old Testament. He makes some very bold proclamations, but he says this, has not the one God made, has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. So if you belong to Christ, you're his body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? God, godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. And so all of the antonyms to that word faithful, you know, that are undevoted, I'm not in. If my emotions get out of whack, I check out. But do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect. Isn't that interesting? It says if you divorce her, you do violence to her. You should be protecting her, says the Lord God Almighty. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. In our culture and day, it has become so easy to give up on our marriages and families. A lot of you guys know the numbers and the percentages. It's not just out there. It's in the church as well. Heard Joyce Meyer say this uh, recently, but she said, she's talking about marriage, and she said, you know, that there's that phrase that is on a lot of divorce paperwork, and it says, irreconcilable differences. She's like, Exactly. You're going to have differences that you cannot reconcile in marriage. You have a man and a woman. They see the world way differently. They're so different. And in life, and if you've been married for any time, how many of you had some differences that have not been reconciled? Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Can I, can I get a witness here? And you won't. And so it's kind of funny, irreconcilable differences. And she said, if we all did that, there would be 100% divorce. <laughs> Nobody would last. We have differences that cannot be reconciled. But how to be faithful in your marriage verbally. This is a, when you commit to someone and you give your heart to them, but commit to them and be faithful verbally. Do not tear one another down, either to their face or to others. Let me tell you about my wife. Let me tell you about my husband. Don't belittle them. Or jesting or joking to tear them down. 
How are we faithful? By guarding our hearts from lust or fantasy or maybe thinking that there would be a better life with someone else. Just saw these statistics. It says divorce once, it's this percentage, divorce twice. You know, if you're, if, if you're just, I'm not saying that there's no reason for, there are no godly biblical reasons for divorce. There are, you know, would not say ever to stay in a marriage if you're being abused. That, that's a whole different topic. But when, when people are divorcing for the wrong reasons, they get in the second, and, and, and the, the percentage there is over 60%. And so people that, they, that, that would say that I'm going to go into another marriage to look for something, but your, your problems are going to be there, your issues are going to be there, and they're going to hit you at some point. But being faithful by strengthening and securing their heart, by being devoted to them in word and deed. And again, this is day in, day out. This is where roots go deep, faithfulness. Not being dictated by your emotions. The biblical faithfulness in marriage, repenting when you've made a mistake. Not just being sorry for getting caught, but repenting. What does repent mean? Repent says, I'm going to do something opposite of what I was doing. Saying sorry and keeping on doing and saying sorry and saying sorry, we have to implement something that turns us, repent and turn and go the other way. Do the opposite. Faithfulness in marriage, forgive and then forgive and then forgive and then forgive again. But not just in marriage, but our other family members, faithfulness to our kids, to our parents, Are we devoted? Are we committed to our siblings, loving them, reconciling them to them, restoring relationship? This is what God would want us to do. And guess what? It's hard. When offense, when hurt has come, it's very difficult. But when we lead the way and we say, I'm going to be godly, and I'm going to be a man of faith, I'm going to be a woman of faithfulness, and I'm going to set the tone, I'm going to make things right, and I'm going to be reconciled. This is faithfulness. I'm not going to bail out. I'm not going to take the easy route. I'm going to do the hard thing. A lot of times we say, well, I'll get right if they, if they, if they come to me or, or if they say there. So don't wait for them. Set the example. And it's so easy to hold offense in families because you know why? We're so close to each other. We know each other's faults. We know each other's issues. We know each other's buttons that we sometimes like to push. And we're very close. That's why it's hard in families to not be faithful. But in all of this, we will be held accountable. We will be held accountable. We will stand before the Lord and we will give an account for our faithfulness to our families. The second one is our friends. Our friends. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Don't you love that passage? A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. And so this is kind of taking that verse and kind of expanding. A friend loves, is faithful, is devoted, is committed at all times, not when it, just when it's beneficial. Not just when it's beneficial. Do I like this person for what I can get from them? It's a beneficial relationship to me to have this person in my life. A brother is born for a time of adversity. 
or need. Sometimes the adversity is between the friends. You know, we say a brother is born for a time of adversity. That can mean sometimes when, when I'm at a time of need or I'm having a time of adversity that my brother comes into my life and works me through it. But sometimes the adversity itself and God will cause these tensions in relationships because he loves us and he is working on us and he is developing us and he's molding us into people that will be more like Christ. Because that's why it says in another um, proverb, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, there's a lot of clanging going on when that happens. And it's a time of adversity. And what happens to our hearts when we have a time of adversity with our friend, when our, with our brother? Do we just say, well, forget you. I'm done. I, I'm done with this relationship. I, I'm, 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 I've had it. I'm going somewhere else. And bail out. True friends don't run away when it's tough. They aren't easily offended. Again, doesn't mean that they're never offended. What do we do with the offense? Do I internalize the offense? Do I live dictated by the offense? And you can tell when people are, 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 are that way. But if you hold on to offense, I'm telling you, it will damage and destroy your spiritual heart. What are signs of an offended heart? Bitterness. Anger, resentment, or this one, saying that you're over it, but then replaying it over and over again. I've forgiven, however, and then they go on a rant of why that's still, they're still there. Again, repent where you need to repent. Forgive where you need to forgive. Godly Faithfulness is restoration and reconciliation. Here's the thing about forgiveness. Truly forgive. Jesus said this, forgive from your heart. It's easy to go, well, I forgive you. And, and, and you know, you just want to be done with it. I forgive you. Just be quiet. Let's stop talking about it. But in your heart, it's still festering. Guard your heart. Truly forgive. And again, let me just go ahead and say this. It's not easy. If you've ever lived in it, it's not easy. And you're going to need Jesus to help you. Third area, the church. It's easy to not be faithful to the church in our culture. I've, I've talked about this before. You see these letters in the, in the first century church. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. He's writing to the church in Philippi. Notice he doesn't say to the Baptists in Philippi, uh, the Baptist slash, you know, Pentecostal slash this slash that slash. And he's, he said to the church because they were one church. They met together. They were one group of people that were coming together on a regular basis. If they got hurt and offended, guess what? There was no church down the street to go to. You would have to travel a long way to go to a different church. By the time you got there, you'd be so worn out that you'd just say, forget it. Let's just stay there at the, at the other church. And that's why when you see Paul emphatically giving these charges in the church of forgiving and letting things go and working things out because he knew that there were issues going on in the church. But it's easy in our culture because we have so many to choose from. We have churches down the street. We even have church online. You know, you can go online and hear the best preachers on the planet. 
That's why I'm always thankful that you come in here every week. You could hear the greatest preachers on the planet online every day if you wanted to. You could just stay home and, and have church at home every day. Except that it would be against what Paul says in Hebrews. He says, do not forsake the assembling together of yourselves together. And that's why we need each other. But it's so easy to bail out because the, there's, there's, there's so many churches that are accessible. And let me say this again. The church is filled with hurting, broken, insecure people, and I'm one of them. If you're looking for perfection, don't look here. I put this quote, um, or my wife put this quote on, 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 on Facebook the other day. It's from Mark Driscoll, and I love this. It says, he says, we all need to be under authority. None of us have all the answers, the best perspective, are, full, are, are completely filled with all wisdom or unbiased perspective. We're all sinners, and we all make mistakes, so we need people who will love us and help us to stay close to Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? If I had a tattoo, it would be that. It'd be really long on my back. Not going to do that, just to say. Shouldn't that be the anthem of the church? You're going to get your feelings hurt. You're going to get offended. People are going to say things that hurt you. People are going to look at you that offends you. It's going to happen. I promise you, if it hasn't happened, it's going to happen. What do we do with it? Because we're all broken and we need Jesus. And I believe that this, should, this, this quote should be the anthem of the church. But more and more people are leaving their churches for all the wrong reasons. I, I, there are sovereign times that people would leave a church and go somewhere else. And I understand that. But more than not, people are leaving because of personal preferences and offense. Those are two huge ones. That if you look across personal preference, I don't like that, I don't like this, I, I wish they would do this, and offense. Personal preference and offense, I'm leaving. But wherever we go, we're not going to like everything they do, and we are going to get offended. So you can leave here and go to another church, but only a matter of time that you're going, they're going to offend you in some way, or they're going to do something that you don't like. And that's why our faithfulness will be tested. Will we quit? Will we be like the seed on the rocky path that we're joyful when things are going our way, but when trials come, when persecution comes, when offense comes, we run the other way? And look at this from Acts 2.42. This is the church was in full swing at the beginning of Acts. The Holy Spirit came in power. And at the end of Acts 2, this says, what is that was the first? They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So they devoted. They were committed. They were reliable. They were trustworthy. They were faithful. We are in. And again, this was a time of great persecution. There was threat of being arrested. And so we are dedicated. We are devoted. And they devoted themselves to God and to one another. He said, doesn't matter what comes our way, we are committed we're reliable, we're trustworthy, we're going to keep at it. And as members of the body of Christ, we should be givers and not takers, contributors, not consumers, willing to receive loving correction and discipline when, when needed and not get offended, but to forgive when someone makes a mistake, including leadership. 
And I think for a lot of times is that we've elevated leadership. And they did this in the Bible too. They elevate leadership up here and say, well, leadership is kind of above the law and they're not to make mistakes. And the Pharisees kind of like that. They kind of like people elevating them. And Jesus saw into the darkness of their own heart. Because any good leader will tell you that we're as broken as anyone else. And as a leader... And I can speak on behalf of our church leaders. We're going to make mistakes. We're not always going to make the right decision. Our heart is to make the right decision. We will pray, and, and, and that is a commitment that we will make, is that we will pray, we will seek the Lord, but there will be times when we will not make the right decision. We're encouraging you, pray for us. Forgive us. But in the church, there, needs, there has to be forgiving. There has to be repenting. There has to be encouraging. There has to be love. I'm going to close with this from Romans chapter 12. This, this kind of this series of, of words that Paul uses, and I encourage you on your own time, study this passage. Read it. Meditate on it. Pray it. I think that this, if you looked at it and you broke it down, I would call this the faithfulness passage. It really is. He's speaking to the church in Rome. Again, it's to a group of believers where there's brokenness. There's there's nothing new under the sun. They're dealing with issues. They have problems. There's offense. There's hurt feelings. Um, And he's speaking to them, and he's telling them, this is how you be faithful. But again, you're going to need Jesus to do it. At the beginning of Romans 12, you guys, it's the very famous passage, I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies to, as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. In other words, I'm all in. You know what a living sacrifice is, that you're alive, but you're dead. I'm dead to myself, and I'm alive in Christ. But he says, present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. This is your reasonable act of worship, is to say, I'm giving my life completely to God. Not partway, that, that's why this whole thing is completely surrendered to Jesus. It doesn't make sense, the Christian walk doesn't make sense outside of that. It's a living sacrifice. I'm alive, but now I'm not my own. I belong to Christ, and I'm giving my heart to him. And then he, he says, from that place, from that place of giving your life to Christ, live this way. And you're going to need Jesus to do it. But let's go through there. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, and you are every one of, 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 of the ones that Paul is speaking to through, the, through time because the word of God is powerful. Do not, think more highly, or do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. How do you be faithful is, is humility, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Do you see where he's talking about? Here's how it's be faithful. Start with yourself. Start with yourself. Look at your own heart. A lot of times it's easy when we get our, our feelings hurt. We're, 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 on the, we're on the lookout to be offended. We're on the lookout to be, be hurt. We're just looking. But Paul says, start with yourself. Look at yourself with sober judgment. Take a look at your own heart and get right with God. Start with yourself before looking at others, what they do or do not, what they do for you or, not, or they, they neglect. Think of yourself as a judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function. 
We all have different functions that we're all needed. So in Christ, we, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. How do you be faithful? You understand that you belong to each other. You're accountable to each other. When Paul, when the, when the church was born, this whole idea of not being an active part, part of the, the, the body of Christ didn't, it didn't make sense. They, 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 you can't be isolated. You can't be a lone range. You can't be checked out. You need to be connected to each other. If you remove my finger and you set it over there somewhere, not to, all the middle school boys are excited about this picture. I can't then all of a sudden expect that it's going to be a functioning member of my body. If it's isolated, if it's over there, if it's disconnected, it will not, the head can't control it anymore. It's, you know what, then what's going to happen to it? There's no flow, there's no blood supply, it dies. We belong to each other. We are meant to belong to each other. We are not meant to disconnect, to run away, to to uh, be a lone ranger, and, and to be isolated out by ourselves. We belong to each other. This is what Paul says. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach yourselves. Go to the next slide. If it is to encourage, then to give encouragement. And he's getting real practical here. He's saying, you know, you, you're given gifts. And being faithful also is being faithful to use what God has given you. That whole idea of God entrusts to us things, and he says, manage it well. He's the owner. God, help me to be faithful. Because there's some people that have a gift of encouragement, and it's just lying dormant. Some people have the gift of of teaching, and it's just lying dormant. But if it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And then here's how to be faithful. Verse 9, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. What does he mean by that? That's that word authentic, not fake. But love must be sincere because here's how love is tested is, is love is saying, are you still committed even when things aren't going well? Love must be sincere, authentic. It's, it's all tied to faithfulness and devotion. You see how all of this ties together. Love must be sincere. And what love is he talking about? Not just emotional feelings. He's talking about self-sacrificial, I will give my life for this. Love must be sincere in the body of Christ. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. I like to say this, hate what is evil. Again, look at your own heart. That's how we begin to hate what is evil, is to look at the evil and the darkness of our own hearts. Cling to what is good. Here it is. Be what? Devoted to one another in love. Faithful. Committed. Reliable. Trustworthy. True to your word. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That whole thing of honor. Let's make this a culture of honor. Honoring each other and loving each other. That's how you be faithful. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal. Again, that's not to say we're going to put on a fake smile and pretend everything is okay. But let, let the Lord stir your heart. 
Don't be a Christian Eeyore. Pretty good. God's good most of the time. Don't you love Eeyore? You know, that's what Eeyore. Don't be a Christian Eeyore. And don't fake it if you're struggling. I'm struggling. I need help. I need somebody to pray for me. Verse 12, how do we be faithful? Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Let's go to the next one. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Isn't that an easy one to work out? You'll be tested there. And notice he was talking to the Roman church. They were in in the hotbed of persecution. The Roman Empire was a brutal, brutal place to live. And Paul is saying, because, you know, here he, he is speaking from experience because he had been beaten, he had been shipwrecked, he had gone through all kinds of things at the hands of the Romans at times, but he was persecuted. But he's saying, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, because if you allow that thing to get over you, it will make you bitter and angry. Rejoice with those who rejoice. This is how you be faithful. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in Harmony with one another. How do we be faithful? Unity. Live in harmony with each other. There's a blessing when we are in unity. I said this in the, in the, the first message, the setup message, is a lot of times we want things to happen, but God is looking for, for some, like faithfulness. And, and here's when the Holy Spirit fell out. There was, in Acts, beginning of Acts 2, there was unity. They were all in one mind, and they were all in one accord. Then the Spirit came. Sometimes we want revival without unity. God would give us a disservice to do that. There's backbiting and there's division in your midst. He's not going to send revival. Live in harmony with one another. And you're going to be tested that. Do not be proud. How do you be faithful? Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. In other words, don't have this hierarchy. We're all broken and we need Jesus. Do not be conceited. And I think he's dealing also with the religious people of his day. It's very easy for them to be conceited and think that they have it all together. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And this is the, that we're going to flow into next week about integrity. But let's go to the, the last one. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is how you be faithful. You know how you work that out? Is you allow God's peace to be in your heart. You can't make anyone else peaceful. But he says as far as it's concerned with you, not your circumstances, not if you're up or down or sideways or whatever, it's as far as it's concerned with you, be at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my, my, my dear friends, and, but leave room for God's wrath. I love this, but Paul, Paul recognizes, he said, you know, relax, guys. He had been through a whole lot, but he's saying, you know, let me, let me, do not take, you know, don't, don't take revenge. And then he just kind of gives him a little encouragement because, because Paul was kind of a black and white guy. He said, God's going to get him one day. Just relax. There will be a day of reckoning. It's like David, David's, you know, David would sometimes groan and he'd say, God, kill them all. 
but God, I'll trust in your unfailing love. You know, I mean, something like, you know, break their teeth, you know, smash them. But God, you're good. He said, leave room for God's wrath for his written. It's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Does that sound like Jesus? Remember the words of Jesus. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. If he, in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. I like that too. It's the story of two farmers. One got saved. They hated each other's guts. And one got saved and came across this passage. And he had not been discipled yet. So he started pulling this guy's weeds and tending to this guy's property a little bit. And then finally the guy got wind of it and he said, what are you doing? We've hated each other for years. Why are you, why are you doing this for me? And he said, well, I read that if your enemy is hungry, if he, and it, you know, in, in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head by doing good to them. And I've done this too, and I hope that, 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 that those burning coals burn your brains out. <laughs> so a little bit undiscipled attitude there, but... Then he ends it by saying this, here's how you're faithful. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I know this is a lot to work through. That's why I said read it on your own, study it, pray it. Because he's dealing with every area of our hearts. He's dealing with our relationship with others. He's dealing with our relationship with God. Remember, he begins by saying, be sober about yourself. Start with yourself. Get right with God. Walk with Jesus. And then it'll begin to affect how you walk with others. How do we be faithful? We run to Jesus every day. And here's the thing about all of this, is Jesus is faithful to us. If you're looking for someone that is faithful, devoted, committed, reliable, trustworthy, loving, in spite of emotions or circumstances, you know, have to look no further than the cross of Jesus. He was completely committed to us. When he went to the cross, that was full devotion. That was devotion on display. A radical commitment to us. You think that it was a joyful thing for him to go to the cross? Absolutely not. But he bore it because he was making a commitment to us. You'll not get that commitment from anyone else. But how are we faithful? We look to Jesus, understanding that he's faithful to us. He forgives when we repent. He proved his faithfulness on the cross. He loves when we are unlovely. Have you ever had days when you're unlovely? Jesus says, I still love you. I'm still committed to you. When we fall down, he's there to pick us up. He's constant. And he's working toward us to restore relationships and reconcile relationship with him. And when we run away, he pursues us to come back. He doesn't just give up on us when things are going bad. So the first place to be faithful today is that we receive his faithfulness to us. So what's he speaking to you today? Because he might be speaking something completely different than he's speaking to me. And believe me, as I prepared this, there's many things that he's speaking to me over all of these things. But what is he speaking to you? Be obedient. Run to him. Don't give up. Don't quit. You will be tested, but be faithful to him. Let's pray. Let's stand. Let's pray.